Welcome to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation. Hi. I'm Matte Takala, Principal in Hydric and Struggles Helsinki office and member of the Global Industrial Technology Officer and Private Equity Practices. In today's podcast, I'm talking to Amy Chen, Senior Vice President and Chief Innovation Officer at Kone, the elevator and escalator engineering company dedicated to people flow, headquartered in Finland with over 60,000 employees across 60 countries worldwide. Amy has extensive experience in both corporate and startup innovations. Prior to joining Kona, she was founder of a company called Car2Share, chief executive officer of Car2Go China with Daimler, COO of Didi and Lee Autos Mobility Electric Vehicle Joint Venture, and strategy head for Volkswagen China's software and digital services arm. Amy, welcome and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Now, You spent several years in the automotive sector, which was going through a fundamental shift in terms of technology and business models at the time. What can leaders in other industries learn from how you managed through that industry shift at the time? And how are you applying those lessons at Kona? I think many industries have been facing very similar challenges. How do we change from a product-focused company to providing solutions to customers? How do we um, do we face different customer demands, whether it's on the digital side or more adaptive? So how can we accommodate those newer customer demands? And how do we apply new technologies that are maturing and could change our um, products and solutions? And I think these are all very similar challenges we face across different industries. The unique thing about the automotive industries is there has been disruptive competitors that brings a lot of trends much clearer in terms of where to focus. So we've been talking about mobility, electric vehicles, connectivity and autonomous driving across board. And from other industry perspective, as we do not have that much of a disruption, um, it's probably easier from a time perspective to allow us to make those changes more gradual, um, although guided with less clear trends. And I think there are a lot of lessons we can learn from that industry going through that transition. There are multiple ways for companies to support new innovations and technologies and organize around them. So corporate ventures, joint ventures, internal innovation hubs, startups and so forth. Uh, and you actually have experience from from different models around this. Can you share your thoughts on on pros and cons of different models and how you are approaching it currently at Kona? I think that very much depends on what your company really wants from innovations. We've heard a lot of talks about that while we want innovations, as we want to be most innovative companies, we want to generate revenue or new business. But what is that um, company your company really want? If you look at this from the perspective of business and customer side, can you run a new business line, a new subsidiaries from new innovations, or should the new staff operate under existing business setup? Then it comes down to, are you talking about solving pain points of existing customers versus are you attacking new 
customers or adjacent customers. So it very much comes down to that, do you predominantly want innovations to strengthen your core business under existing setup, or you want to enter new business businesses to diversify or mitigate? Depending on the objective you want to achieve on that front, then if you are going more towards the innovation at core, so existing customers, existing business setup, it is important that you have a separate innovation as a function, and then you go to market with existing business lines and markets you have. If you want to, if the main objective is really to enter new business, then it's more about, about innovation to grow, to grow into new businesses, then it's about how to run it as a separate new business unit. And there, corporate venture and CVC become much more relevant tools. And if we look at the technology side, we can draw a very similar kind of um, decision-making tool. Are, those, are you targeting core technologies that you want to apply for your today and future products? If those technologies are very core to you, then it's more important to develop in-house or acquisitions. And if you are talking about technologies who are good enough to just apply, then it's um, then you have a much more open space about partnerships, either with startups or mature companies, or taking even minority stakes into investment. So this, I think, if we look at it more or less from a two by two perspective, are we talking about um, existing customer, existing business setup, or are we talking about new business setup, new and adjacent customers? Are we talking about core technologies or non-core technologies? And at least this is how how I would feel how to make that um, actually happen, uh, on where to focus your innovation efforts. At Kona, we take a um, more mixed approach on the technology side. So we have both core technologies we want to develop in-house and we have non-core technologies that we're partnering with others. But on the business side, I think we are very clear about we want to be growing more about our core business. So this is very much closer to our core and existing customers. It is important to know that whether we're talking about in whatever way, it's very important that innovation is a separate setup. Corporate innovations itself is already hard enough. If you do not have a separate setup, you, you really need that fighting chance to succeed. And this is also why I joined Kona to start with, because it is a separate setup. It allows us the opportunity to actually be successful in that field. What are the leadership capabilities and, and cultural factors driving innovation for Kona now? And, and what will be needed in the future? I think out of the, the corner culture set, I would say that the most important, the most beneficial thing for innovation is really customer, putting customers first. Because for any kind of innovation, the first questions you would ask is whose problem and what problems are you solving? So it's very much coming from a customer perspective, going into um, to what you can create newly and what technologies you can apply. So this is where I could see that where we have a very cl a clear synergy with, um, with the corner culture. Um, I find it very nice um, thing that we, we launched earlier this year, our jump leap solution. Um, and when we talked to the engineers in the team, said that the starting point, um, when they started, they thought, okay, it is about 
how we can reduce the installation time of our own elevators. And when we started to talk to our customers, we realized that their problem is more about how they can construct faster. So it's about their productivity. And this is why we shifted the direction of, um, of the innovation towards this jump lift solution for, for lower rise buildings so that even when you close the first floors, um, even when you finish the first floors, you can already start to have the elevator in the floor uh, in your building so that you can start to move goods and materials um, before when you're finishing the upper floors. So in that way that we are actually solving a problem of our customers, that is to help them to build buildings faster um, instead of focusing on our own problem, how we can install faster. So I think this is really where it is very crucial that um, that this, this part of the culture is with us. Of course, there are other cultures with corner like collaboration and courage that are also very, very um, beneficial to innovation. Um, but what I find most important is really this customer perspective. And uh, what do you yourself look for in terms of leadership or competencies when you're hiring talent for innovation or technological transformation? And that's a very, very good question. I think innovation, there's part of innovation that are very different. Um, You cannot run an innovation unit by setting up KPIs because there are just too many uncertainties and failure is part of the process. Of course, we take a portfolio approach which um, which help us to still run it as an operation, but you cannot lead people um, in the classic uh, format. And at, in my team, we actually um, rely on, let's say, about 10 innovation drivers. They are actually the ones driving um, things forward, leading key activities and key projects. And they run their small core teams um, as multi-competence teams with product development, um, design thinking, business understanding together in one team. So this is very much, we, we don't, we don't lead people in that way. We let people lead in order to make innovations work. And when I talk about um, competence, um, I, I sometimes find it hard to describe what are we really looking for in terms of um, innovation competence, because there is a very narrow passageway you need to find in order to to actually deliver the results you want, because it's, and it's not preset. So you really need to find the passageway each time. Um, so I've always wanted to look for people who are very, very driven to deliver results and also in more creative way of delivering results. So not set in saying that this is how we do it, but be a bit more creative, but very, very focused on delivering results. In addition to that, I also realized that um, what we need from a competence perspective, it's more a holistic, a wrong competence. So either people who have very good general business sense or people who have a very good general understanding of technologies, not necessarily on the deep expertise level, but very much on that you can comprehend how a business running and how technologies can impact products generally. And of course, we can we still need to combine that. Not everyone has that. So it's also important that a team of innovators working on the project has some of those competence. And you also could have people with very deep expertise be, being part of that group. But it's very important, at least one person in that 
team are very good with driving and delivering results, and you have someone who have a very good overall understanding of business and technology. Thank you. So it's it's kind of a mix of of different things. Yes, and um, and I think that those are things you you might not able to find in everyone, and um, then it's also about mixing mm-hmm. people with different competences to. They're in a group, and we also very much um, work in that format. We have tech people with product or engineering capabilities, business capabilities working together in one team, and I think that's also a very important part of making drive innovations forward. Sustainability is at the core of Kona's strategy. Can you describe a bit how that is driving your innovation agenda? Yes, absolutely. We we have a set of key themes with uh, with where we innovate, and there are about five of them. And sustainability is the one across all board. So it is in everything we do. Um, and of course, we are uh, we're looking into that when we're when we're developing our next generation co products. But we're also very much looking at how can we help again our customers to reach their sustainability targets and to make a bigger impact. Thinking about disruption uh, from a leadership perspective, how do you balance between looking for the incremental improvements as opposed to uh, focusing on the bolder and and the kind of very disruptive game changing results? Um, I, I generally try to stay away from incremental improvements. Um, so I would try to answer between um, the balance of quick wins, so sure bets versus longer term and more potential game changers. And here, I think portfolio is really the key words. Um, you need to have a balance between both. And we very much run our innovations units as a portfolio um, in in that way that I think we need to make sure that there are quick wins and um, and sure bets, so that there are constantly something generating out of the portfolio. And by doing that, we actually have um, have then gained the license to innovate. So then people are also the business lines and it's whether internal or external is actually the same. You need to have investors who believe in that. And one of the key thing is that you constantly need to deliver results. And this is where I think quick wins and sure bets play a very, very important part of that. On the other hand, um, we need to look for, um, for for game changers. And this is why we need to get the quick wins through to get the license to innovate so that we can um, we can then um, uh, be allowed to look into the game changers and taking into higher risks. So this is this is the part where you also need to have a portfolio where there are things that you are in a longer term that you know that um, that are higher higher risks, um, and um, and then you can actually have a chance to generate higher impacts with some of them. The other part of the portfolio is also that um, you have late stage versus earlier stage concepts. Of course, that naturally, that uh, if you take this approach, most of the investment or resource will go to the later stage because this is where you have the quicker wins and sure bets. But it's also very important that there are enough things being cooked on a regular basis. 
and being dropped also, so failed on a regular basis, so that you actually can make a consistency. In the end, the quick wins are also not quick wins. Um, they are things that you cooked earlier in your portfolio that is just maturing um, now. So I think this is also one one is very, very important to have this portfolio. So to balance the risk appetite, the time horizon between long-term and short-term, and the, the certainty of, uh, of having something continuously out. Thank you. That's uh, very good examples. Uh, Kone is a global company and you yourself have a very global background from living and working in China, the US, Germany, Netherlands and now Finland, if I recall correctly, all the countries. Uh, can you share some of your learnings on inclusion and, on, and onboarding in different cultures and how to foster inclusive culture to get the best out of people? I think, first of all, people are people. Fundamentally, we all want very similar things. We want to be respected, we want to be treated fairly and in kind, and we want to be recognized for our achievements. And it doesn't matter where people come from. In my experience, so showing respect and treat people as people always worked. On the other hand, we are. I also realized that we are so much wired um, with how we were brought up um, in our upbringing in many things. And we tend to take those things for granted when we needed to judge things. So um, we, we would not judge people based on how they are, but more with this cultural lenses we have. I still remember that, um, that when I was with McKinsey back in 2006, um, I was on a project um, in Libya, and the first time we met two of our clients from Libya in Milan, I could sense that one of them was rather uncomfortable with the dining miners. And I recalled how painfully judgmental I also was encountered with, uh, with this kind of um, dining matters. And I decided that, okay, let's just talk about how how, how, how this is difficult and how, how I shared about my experience of the difficulty I encountered as a foreigner living in Europe. And I think for the, for the six months afterwards, when I was on the project, he was our biggest supporter ever. And this is really an experience I want to share that sometimes you just need to be open-minded and, and don't judge. And this really helped a, a long way. Having said that, I also realized those shortcuts that we talked about can also work for, for us. And um, you just need to take a little bit of time to understand what are those and to see whether you can make them work for you. To give you another example, when I first joined Conan, I found the amount of alignment meetings to be quite overwhelming. Then I understood that um, from this culture perspective, decisions are made through consensus. And if you understand this, how it works, and it actually become much easier because having alignment and consensus earlier on actually help to make innovation forward, as we also need to rely on others to deliver the go-to-market part. So, um, so then if you learned um, the tricks of how to make that work, you can actually make it work for you. And we end up being more aligned and delivering more innovations by this alignment or uh, consensus-driven way of working. So today I found myself in much less consensus or alignment meetings, but more in alignment. So in short, I would say that it's important that treat people as people, do not judge from your own cultural lens, and make those cultural characteristics of others work for you. 
And this is also one thing I really like about Corner is this sincere emphasis on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and I really feel that there is a true respect of people disregard of hierarchy. So this is also what makes me feel that being here in Corner is truly um, inclusive. Great. Uh, final question then. Looking ahead, which specific leadership skills and capabilities would you say will be the most important for your company to meet its strategic goals over the next three to five years? Uh, I think maybe let's take it not even from my company's perspective, um, but more on a broader base. I think looking at the world today, we are actually facing a few mega level uncertainties. Um, and I believe it calls for a very different type of, um, of skills. Um, first of all, understand how macro factors could impact and what are the signals or signs for changing scenarios. I think we as business leaders are have been quite used to focus on day-to-day -day activities. Um, and we were we as human beings are wired to think in a linear format um, that things work before should continue to work. This has worked very well under more stable mega trends in the last decades. But I think um, now it's, there is a change um, in place and there are a lot more uncertainty. So it requires even more understanding and more important to have foresight for leaders. And the second quality I would stress is agility. This may be an overused word, but in a word that's the only constant is change, so must weigh. Combining foresight and agility can mean that we can adapt faster. It means that we can either, we are more prepared with the foresight, so the different scenarios in order to enable us to move in different directions, or we and then we have agility so that when things come more ad hoc, then we'll be able to react uh, faster. Luckily, I think both skills are often practiced through innovations. Thank you, Amy. Uh, it has been a great pleasure to, to speak with you and hear about your thoughts and insights around this topic. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.